Cape Talk. Join the conversation. And now, Consumer Talk, featuring Wendy Nola. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bianca. Good to be with you. Thank it, you. It's been such oh. a disturbing week uh, with uh, rioting, the numbers of COVID going up and looting in KZN and Gauteng. I know you're a Durbanite. Uh, how has this affected your family yes. at all? Oh, gosh. Um, well, yeah, I think I've been covering the consumer angle in terms of food shortages. I mean, Sunday night, um, my dearest and dearest was sort of, oh, okay, another two weeks without being able to buy wine, you know, we're going to run out kind of mm. thing. And suddenly now they can't buy bread or milk. Yeah. Uh, they're queuing. A friend of mine was queuing outside a spa and then looters this morning arrived and they all scattered. So that is becoming a major issue. Medicine supplies, um, uh, you know, not just the pharmacies that were looted, there were 20 of them, but, you, you know, the, the prescriptions are still in the IT systems. It is just a mess. The supply chain is messed with the food and medication. So um, this is an ongoing problem. I have a 94-year-old father. You asked about my parents. They live alone, but my, my parents, um, they were found somewhere to buy food this morning. Um, and a very kind woman in the queue said uh, they've got chatting, as, as South Africans do, and She's found a pharmacist uh, taking them off so that he can get his medication. Oh, thank so it's it's real. It's it's yeah. It's I, I feel like I'm living in a parallel universe, mm. uh, Bianca. Mm. I, and I've, I'm sure that many listeners are former Dominates uh, or you know have friends and family there. And I got in my car and drove to pick and pay. I'm feeling so guilty because I need to get food to my family. My sons there, my dearest friends. And uh, it's been so. I haven't taken up too many of the usual cases. I have to say, I've tried to do a few just because it's what makes me feel normal, and 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 it 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 it's um it helps yeah. with the psyche. But um, it, it really does feel surreal. I know that from my my you know Twitter and timelines, and what I'm seeing is you know that, that the people who kept on are you know are very detached from what's going on, and, and mm. would, would I imagine feel quite it's quite hard to relate. But it would be quite nice to hear during the course of the show from from people like me who are living half you know in KZN as mm. it burns and mayhem continues. But we'll try. Let's try with some normal issues. This is consumer talk. Uh, Let's let's uh, shall we jump in with um, some uh, some. I mean, the first issue that I've prepared is an Uber Eats issue. I mean, there's none of that going on in case it is at the moment. But here, life life continues. So, so um, Sandy Carney emailed. She said, uh, "I have an irritating issue with Uber Eats that I need, and I need to ask if it's worth questioning them on." I certainly thought it was. She said, "I get extra debits made to my account." Some days after our order takeaways. It just states Uber Trip Help, Uber.com, Johannesburg. Um, and she says it's, it's 50 Rand a time. It had gone on, uh, I think she had two of those uh, when she put me in. She said there must be many others um, who are having this. I tried to interact with Uber on this, and I keep getting emails in reply that if I wish to cancel Uber Eats, I'm welcome to do so. Right. Um, and I will do once I get a satisfactory response. Can you help? So I went to Uber, and they said um, that she'd actually re- it's, she had 
um, subscribed to um, Uber Eats Pass. Um, the support team did set instructions on how to cancel, but they've now canceled this on her behalf. Consumers, customers receive an email each month alerting them of the Eats Pass charge after every transaction as well as on sign-up. It's a monthly subscription. This is obviously the 50 rand that users can sign up for and renews automatically. Um, and you can cancel any time with a simple toggle in the app. Benefits? Unlimited free delivery on selected orders. <laughs> There's always the trick word in I there. See. Selected orders and 5% off your orders. And they then go into how you sign up. Um, and you, you, you've got to go into the green ticket art, ticket item on the bottom right. A message will pop up, et cetera, et cetera. And so Sandy was unimpressed. She said, I have definitely not gone through that process of signing up for this extra cost. In fact, when I go to the Uber Eats Pass screen, there's no green ticket item. Uh, uh, icon on the bottom right for me to access this facility. I certainly did not receive any emails confirming that I agreed for this account. Um, and then 50 rand a month is not an insignificant amount. Absolutely. Um, and she wanted proof. And she said, um, I'm, I'm not happy for them to just keep talking about cancelling it. I want to know, give me proof how I signed up. I went back to Uber um, a day or two ago and I haven't had that response. Mm. So I will keep at it, but I just thought it's worth uh Something to watch out for. Yeah. I did go online um, on, and I saw, in, not just in this country, but in others, people also asking the question, what is this? How did I sign up? So um, it's a little mysterious and um, I will keep uh, pushing for answers there. But yeah, just uh, look out for the, if you are a Uber Eats user, just look out for, uh, check your bank statement to see that you aren't uh, you know, debited, yeah. 50 rand. Big debit. To, to, uh, I think it's at the beginning of the month. So it doesn't. So it, do, it doesn't come through on your on your SMS. Your bank doesn't notify you about about the Uber. She, Sorry, I'm not sure. Some mm. many cases. Am I with you, Bianca? Yeah, I can hear you now. In many cases, um, that you won't get an SMS alert if it's under uh, a certain amount, wow. often a hundred rand. So it could be that. But Sandy was most adamant that she had no other notification of what that was about. So I will keep at it, as I said. And how should people check? Then, they, they got to, do they need to go onto the app and just check if they have signed up to this, or is it something they have to check on their banking? I would have, well, I think the most uh, fail-safe way to do it is to look on, on look at carefully at your bank statement, and not just for for you know, this particular thing, if you're an, uh, an Uber Eats user, but, you know, all sorts of other charges that you may be um, on your, coming off your account that you're yeah. not aware of. A common yeah. one is somebody who had cell phone insurance for a, an iPhone that they used, last used six years ago. If you don't actively cancel it, it's it's there. And if you're not looking at your bank statement very carefully every month, mm. these are the sorts of things that you can miss. So I would say start with the bank statement right. because that's, I think the charge is, it goes off on the first of the month. So just have a look around sort of from the 25th to the first days of, of, of the next month and just look at all those little individual um, debits and make sure that you know what they're for and that you actually authorize them. I'm talking so to uh, the, the advice uh, consumer journalist Wendy Nola. If you would like to ask her a question, you can call us on 021-446-0567, WhatsApp messages and voice notes to 072-567-1567. Go ahead, Wendy. What else have you got for us? Okay. So we had a caller, I think it was rather last week or the week before, Alexandra Burma called into the show about a mango voucher issue. And then she followed up. We asked her to email and she, she wrote, I had a voucher 
issued for a mango flight where they changed the schedule less than 48 hours before the flight. I think right. it was around the, it was in May. Um, I think it was there was a grounding issue there, and it affected a lot of people. You may recall a lot of people flying out of Cape Town were were absolutely devastated. They found out when they got to the airport. Um, so she was issued a voucher, and um, the validity period was only three months. So in other words, valid until um, well, hey, she says August. So that okay. yeah, maybe they issued the uh, the voucher after May. She says the online booking has thus far only allowed for booking two weeks in advance, which is a whole other issue in itself, hardly instills a sense of trust. Mm. First prize would be a cash refund, but I understand this is not possible. I would therefore like to pursue to have my voucher extended. I've been told by my bank that I cannot do a chargeback because an, a voucher was issued and that I can understand. Okay. Uh, she says, you mentioned on air that the voucher should be valid for three years and that you would assist. So I did. I okay. took up the case with um, Mango and I pointed out that the Ombudsman for Consumer Goods and Services, who we often have on the show, Mahatam Bashlele, she's on record as saying, if a consumer accepts a voucher in place of a full refund, it must be valid for at least three years and there is nothing in the Consumer Protection Act which allows for a price increase at the time of redemption. So this mm. was, uh, she said this at the time with a whole lot of travel-related cancellations, cruises, flights and the like. So I put that to Mango and I said, given that, is Mango willing to extend the validity of the voucher? And they came back to say it's been extended uh, to a minimum of 12 months and the system error has been rectified. System errors, they terrible things, so rough. Um, <laughs> the affected passenger has been informed accordingly. Well, it's not three years, um, but it's better than three months. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I say, it's extraordinary times. The rule books are just changing, <laughs> right? Being disregarded mm. or torn up or, you know, the, the, everything is in a state of flux. It should be, it should be three years. It's a prepaid voucher. The flat, um, uh, um, Sorry, I'm trying to remember our complainant's name. Alexandra, she didn't choose uh, to change it or, or not show up. She The, the flight was cancelled. By Mango. Um, it did not happen. Um, yeah. Of Mango, yes, mm. their, their decision. So anyway, um, I'm sure – well, I'm hoping she'll be able to, to you know, make use of it in, in the next uh, – well, within 12 months. Right. Um, but two weeks I mean, helps the – It's a big difference. <laughs> it was – no, it was – it was it was three months. Oh, actually, I see. Three months. Ridiculously oh. short. They're saying it was a system error, and I'm hope if um, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if they will proactively contact everyone to whom they issued um, a three month valid voucher. Um, th- in the same case, those people who who are unable to take the flight that they booked. But um, if if anybody is in that position and is listening, um, that is the case. Mm. Well done. Small vic- small. Those victories are, are nice to hear yeah. about. <laughs> Especially today. Yeah. Right. Okay. What else have you got for us, Wendy? Just a, a reminder to our listeners, WhatsApp messages for Wendy on 0725671567, or you can call us after the news headlines on 0214460567 to ask any of your consumer-related questions. Go ahead, Wendy. Okay, so as we've said um, a lot in the last few months, credit life policies have really come to the fore. Um, 
you know, it's you, you take you pay quite a bit um, depending on the size of your loan. Uh, you can take the cover on your home loan, on your personal loan, on your um, clothing account, etc. And if and there are certain conditions, if you're retrenched, uh, lose your income, um, are di- and are disabled, and obviously if you you die, your the account is, balance is written off, and um, it's really helped a lot of people in this time, but for many, um, there have been difficulties because, you know, the, the loss of income through COVID hasn't been um, complete, doesn't been a full loss. It's just been loss of, you know, say a 30, 40, 50% cut or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so there the fine print came very much to the fore. So last week I got an email from Karen who lives in Marina de Gama and uh, about a credit life policy that she took out on her home loan um, almost 16 years ago and she's been paying the premium faithfully every month since then. Her current premium, and this is for a payout of 235,000 Rand, is just over 12,000 Rand a year to which interest is added. Okay, Okay, so she wrote, uh, in 2003, I purchased my first property for 215,000. I also took out a policy with ABSA Bank, who are the bondholders for the the property. It was for life cover, disability, and dredge disease. Unfortunately, last year, I had chemical pneumonia. Oh gosh, I knew this word was going to trip me up. Sort of like pneumonia. Pneumonitis. Yeah, pneumonitis. Yeah. Yes. Pneumonitis. There we are. Third try lucky. <laughs> um, and on the 13th of July, so it was a year yesterday, okay. it culminated in a stroke. <gasps> this was not a lifestyle stroke, but rather caused by severe coughing, which tore my cartoid artery. Can you imagine? I'd never heard of such a thing. She says, on my discharge from Vincent Pilati Rehab, I had a look at my policy document, which indicated stroke as a dread disease. Right. I submitted the information to Absala and they reverted saying that they would only review this after six months. That's quite standard in the case of, of stroke claims, by the way. Okay. So I waited and resubmitted uh, in February of this year. That's when they came back to me and said they don't cover certain types of strokes and so my policy would not pay out. Phew. Well, surely it is the after effects of the stroke that are the issue. Mine mainly being cognitive. I'm grateful that I'm not in a wheelchair, Mm. um, but I'm still attending outpatient therapy at Vincent Pilati, and I'm still not able to resume work. So I have no income. APSA is still, however, happily collecting their bond repayments Mm. and policy contributions every month. I've left this for a while now as it was all too overwhelming to deal with. I am, however, disgusted that they would even be prepared to argue with someone who's been through the trauma of a stroke. Um, it isn't even for a large sum of money, but I think large sum of money in the scope of you know what some bonds are, but over two hundred thousand rand is certainly significant and would sure. make a you know, difference in her mm. life. So I emailed Epsa saying I'm curious about the wrong kind of stroke. Mm. That was the reason she was apparently given for the repudiation of her claim. She had a stroke last year. She's currently still cognitively impaired by it, undergoing therapy and unable to work. Please, could you? Uh, source me some this was through the media people please could you source me some more information about the reason for this particular repudiation I'd like to understand given that many people would assume that as stroke is listed as one of the conditions covered and given the ongoing impairment resulting in inability to work that the policy would kick in I received Abs's response yesterday but before that happened Karen emailed me on the Monday saying that when she first submitted the claim she did get extended policy wording 
where they uh, it goes into detail about what is considered stroke in terms of this policy, credit life policy. Um, it's very medical. I won't necessarily go into the whole thing. Um, but what is excluded is transient ischemic attack, DIA, and cerebral symptoms due to migraine, cerebral injury resulting from trauma of or hypoxia and vascular disease affecting the eye or optic nerve as well as ischemic disorders of the vestibular system. But I still was none the wiser reading that, you know, how it wasn't, hers wasn't traditional traditional stroke, but the impairment is the same. Right. Anyway, as I always say, the large print giveth and the small print taketh away. Mm. So yesterday <laughs> I got a response from Eugene Strauss, who's managing executive of EPSA Life Retail and Business Bank, this being an EPSA Life policy. And it went like this. The customer was diagnosed with a stroke last year and according to the policy terms and conditions, a six-month deferred period applies before a claim will be considered. In essence, the deferred period is necessary in order to monitor the customer's progress and recovery, which has a direct bearing on the assessment due to the level of cognitive and or physical impairment. Fair enough. And then came previous feedback to the customer pertained to this deferred period and not a repudiation. Yes, she got the first one last year and then she applied again. As she lodged the claim again in February. Um, he continues, due to an operational error, the response provided to the customer was not clear, which we regret and have taken steps to correct. We can confirm that the claim has been paid and the customer has been informed of the outcome. So Karen tells me she got an SMS telling her on Tuesday, on Monday that her claim had been approved. That was at quarter to four on Monday afternoon and I sent my media query less than three hours earlier. So quite a remarkable uh, turnaround there. Um, and but still um, fairly confusing because they're not saying that they repudiated the claim and yet Karen says she was told she'd had the wrong kind of stroke. So I'm hoping that we have Karen with us to we do. talk a little bit we about do. that. Welcome to the show, Karen. Do we have Karen on the line there? Hi. Um, gosh, I've never been on the radio before. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, thank you yeah. so, for agreeing um, yeah I mean well, how's all of this left you feeling I'm sure a degree of relief although well, you haven't seen um, the money in your account yet it is a relief and it's something that I wouldn't like anybody to have to go through the sure. stroke is really awful um, and yes I had a transient ischemic attack I don't even know if I pronounce it correctly um, oh I see horrendous day a year ago yesterday um, but the yes. most incredible medical staff looking at, after me and the most amazing people at Vincent Pilati also um, helping me through it with physio with um, occupational therapy and speech therapy the most unbelievable th therapists there and nursing staff and I'm still attending outpatient therapy um, for speech and for occupational therapy. Um, so yes, I thought when I uh, was discharged, okay, well, let me look at my policy that I took out in 2004 when I bought my first property. Um, and gosh, it says there's stroke and it's got about four or five lines on it on what a stroke is. Um, it's just death of a part of the brain. Mm. Um, and then the 
the reply came back, no, you've got a six-month waiting period and oh, here's the updated policy wording, um, by the way. So, um, yeah, so then I followed up in February thinking, okay, well, that's six months. So, but nothing else happened. Nothing progressed from that. So I just, and always, you know, you always only get emails from um, sort of no reply addresses. Uh, and with no names on the end, so you can't really get hold of anybody that you can speak to. So in the end, I thought, well, let me see if Wendy can perhaps help. And goodness gracious, at quarter past three on Monday, I was told we've received your claim. At quarter to four on Monday, said it's approved and it will be paid into the nominated account. Okay, so oh, let's that's see. wonderful. Hopefully, it's a wonderful <laughs> end to that story. Well, that's incredible. Wendy, you are absolutely you, you, unbelievable. Wow. Really, believe me, it was so nice to get a, res, a, a good result for someone in the sea of such despair and, and um, trauma that um, is going on for so many people. Um, I just wanted to ask, and by the way, this. It, it certainly sounds as if your speech therapy is, is working wonders because you sound absolutely great to me. And to me, I can um, second that. Wendy, I have to I interject so because the, it's time for the news headlines. So everyone can now have a joyful cry. <laughs> we have this voice note that's come in for Wendy. No, we're not going to go to the voice note. Wendy, can you hear me? No, I okay. can, Bianca. Okay, I couldn't hear you there. Uh, we continue with the consumer talk. Wendy is here to give you any advice or questions that, and answer any questions you might have. So please don't hesitate to contact us on 021-446-0567 or send a voice note to 072-567-1567. Uh, we have a voice note that has come. No, we don't. I thought I had a voice note. I've got a call coming in. Sorry, Wendy, just clearing, clarifying everything here. It's Paula from no Milnerton. Hi, uh, hi, Wendy. Sorry about the problems with your family, and thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Go ahead with your question, uh, Paul. Um, okay, my question is that um, last year, in January 2020, we installed a 5 kVA UPS system um, in our home, and then uh, we installed some solar panels in March. So it was fully functional initially, but within six months, I started having, we started having problems with it. We're now sitting with a system that's 18 months old and which is not working. We're only getting sort of 15 minutes of power when there's load shedding. Um, I had, we had contacted the installer already last year from July when we started having problems. He wasn't really interested in coming back to do any maintenance or to sort anything out. And um, now that the guarantee is finished, we're sitting with a system that I now need to get somebody else to look at because he says the warranty is over. It's not his problem. However, I do have proof of all the interaction during the, during the year. And I feel that, um, oh, well, I want to know, do I have any rights or is this just, do I just need to get okay. somebody to come and fix it? It's, Thank um, you. the dates are critical here, Paula. Um, so, do you? What was the exact date of installation, and what was the exact date of the first time that you complained to the installer that, that it was not working as it should? 
Um, I can't tell you right now offhand, but I do have those dates. So it was basically 10th of January that we installed, and then I can give you the date. I will be able to give you the date for March when we put in the solar panels. And then I can also supply you with dates uh, as to when issues started happening. I have all those records. Okay, so there's it's a, mostly email. So it's, uh, sorry. It's, hmm? Yes, Okay. So you've mentioned the solar panels. It's obviously the same installer, but are those not problematic, or, or do they feature in, I, I this, in your complaint as well? I don't know. Um, the fact oh. is that initially we had three hours of power when we had a power outage, and there was seamless transfer from the system to uh, uh, during during load shedding. Um, we had yes. intermittent problems with it not happening. We did call him back at one point. Um, he did come back on site, and that was after he had put in the solar panels. And um, our electricity bill at that point had, had, had gone through the roof. And so we called him back, and he did come back. And it, seemed, it, it appeared, or it did, um, he had the system on to ESCOM and wasn't utilizing the solar panels at all. And at that point, and I have to admit, I did lose my rag, and I and I asked, and I actually accused him of being incompetent. So since then, um, communication has shut down, and he refuses to help me because I was rude. Uh, well, this is quite common. They, they whenever, as so I always tell people, keep your cool as far as possible because if you lose it, or you swear and you whatever make, they will deflect the entire issue onto your abusive behaviour, mm. and your valid complaint then sits, you know, frozen. Um, but but to get to the point, Paula, um, the date in July, um, if it was after the tenth of July, um, your very valuable uh, CPA, Consumer Protection Act, six-month warranty um, was expired by that stage and you have far less rights. Uh, legally, you know, the, gov- the, the CPA only gives, only warrants, um, automatically warrants um, goods and services for six months. So if you send that email uh, complaining of, of um, less than optimum performance before the 10th of July, then you you potentially have a case whether or not service provider decides to um, you know care about that or not um, would remain to be seen. Um, I would certainly do my best to to um, take up the case with him. So um, you're welcome to email me once you've uh, if the um, your emails show that you raised the compl- raised the issue of the defective product um, no. not fit for purpose uh, before the 10th of July. Last year, yes, uh, yeah. Um, most of most of the communication was via WhatsApp. Does that does that is that that's valid? Right. I, no, that's still a record. It's still a record. It is yeah. dated, I think. WhatsApp messaging. Yes, mm. they definitely are. And yes. and as a precaution, I emailed it to myself. So in case something happens with my phone, I do have it as a smart move. as a backup. But yes, it was already no, in that March. Will, that will work. I deal with a lot of, uh, I take up a, a, a lot of cases with service providers, especially smaller ones, where the interaction is all done by WhatsApp. So lots of screen grabs and <laughs> yes. and things, but that's perfectly fine because it's dated. Yeah. So may I email you the, the, the scenario, please? Yes. I have to you. say, really if, if it was after the 10th of July, there's not a lot I can do. But if it was before the 10th of July 2020, then certainly um, do email me. And I'll do my best. But even though the system is, has a year's guarantee and the inverter, 
has 24 months guarantee. Well, okay. So email me anyway, but all I'm saying is that the, the manufacturer's uh, warranty is a voluntary one. It's not backed up mm. legally by anything. So it's much okay. more difficult for me to argue those cases. It's the six months. That's why I say to people, make you know, make sure you don't let that golden period slip away. If there's something agitated, something's not quite right, raise it, flag the complaint with the supplier. Then don't let it, let that six, seven, eight, nine months go by and then raise it. Mm-hmm. Just as an aside, because I think this is important for anybody listening, is it liable if I put a, a bad review on his Facebook page or I do a bad review on Google because I've been, he's accused me uh, that he will take it further, is liable? Is this correct or are we allowed okay, to so, out so the bad, short, bad service? The short answer to that, the short answer to that, Paula, is that it's not defamation if it's true and in the public interest. Right. So they can't touch you. A defamation claim won't stick. I have had Thank cases you. on my 702 show last week um, where the service provider came back and said, I'll only look, I'll only deal with your complaint if you take down the negative review. So that then, mm-hmm. you know, it puts the consumer in, in an awkward position because it's a valid review, but they wanted to, I said, okay, let's play this silly game. Say you'll take it down. But if it's not fixed within 10 days or whatever, then you will put it back with the update. So I'm waiting for feedback on that one. But unfortunately, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, service providers um, do do get very um, abusive and threatening when there's a negative re- review. But you only have it, something to worry about if you've um, exaggerated or, or fabricated things about um, the, mm-hmm. the chain of events. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for, for, for listening. And thank appreciate you for your call, Paula. We appreciate your input. It's just quickly, we're going to go, go to ads, Wendy, and then we'll come back with a voice note. Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021-446-0567. Welcome back to the show. We have Wendy Nola on the line, uh, waiting to take your calls and, advi- and to give you advice on 0725671567 is the number to send your voice notes to. And that is the voice note that we have right now. Let's go. Hi, um, Wendy. Thanks for the, always for the uh, consumer input um, and guidance. Um, my question revolves around my, um, my wife's parents um, have been billed by Discovery 2,200 Rand as a penalty for being out of South Africa 22 years ago. They're still paying 2,200 Rand a month as a penalty for being out of the country. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and whether that's um, entirely legal at all or, um, or what the recourse is to, to, get that, um, to get that ridiculous penalty um, uh, refunded at least you know for from certain amount I can understand it for one year but for 22 years surely that's not right thanks Owen Nurek goodness yeah and um, that is most people's response Bianca but unfortunately Owen Nurek's uh in-laws experience is perfectly legal. Um, I get so many complaints about this and have done for many years. It's called a late joiners penalty. And what it is, is the way medical schemes work is that essentially your younger, healthier members 
um, you're sort of, well, obviously the, the babies and children tend to be fairly expensive. You know, if you think about your own children, you're taking them to the pediatrician and, the, you know, the births and all of that. That's a big claim. And then you get that middle section. So the, you subsidize the older people whose claims are many and expensive, um, given the health issues of, of aging. So if someone, if you're away for 22 years, you haven't been contributing to the fund um, that's the thinking behind it, that you are now penalized. You have to now make up for it and, and pay in. And often it's just three years or five years or whatever. But the thing is, um, they are the schemes are entitled into, in terms of the, um, certainly according to the Health Professions Council, with whom I've taken this many cases up with over the years, they're entitled to charge it forever. So it's a, it's a penalty that does not go away um, and you're stuck with it. Um, as I say, and when you when I've taken up these cases, the the schemes concerned just say this is point me to the section of of the act, and and that's the end of that. Um, I the, it is not compulsory though, so the scheme does have the discretion, obviously, um, in, in looking at their own finances and whatever to um, to either reduce it or stop it after a very lengthy time, as in this case. Um, so. I mean, it is a very, it is a very uh, good example um, of, of how this uh, this late joiner joiner penalty can really prejudice people. Um, so, Owen, if your in-laws would like to email me with the specifics or you on their behalf, I will certainly undertake to raise it as another case study and um, and speak to someone who um, works in this space, uh, not as a broker, but as, uh, as someone who uh, will take up these sorts of cases on behalf of consumers. Um, I'll collaborate with him and uh, maybe we can come back on a future show and, and, and shed some light and hopefully some, well, perhaps small chance, some good news. Yeah, 22 so years does seem, email, seem a long time, doesn't it? 20, 22 it, years. Uh, yep. It's yeah. and it's a it's a big penalty in this case mm. two thousand two hundred rand on top it's the penalty so you can imagine that medical cover is not cheap no. and now you have this extra every month forever it, you know you can understand people feeling very aggrieved. Mm. Uh, we have another voice note for you, Wendy. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, can you ask Wendy Nola, please? I know she has covered this matter with a medical bill, which a child is not a responsible to pay a deceased's debt that has been left behind. And in a podcast, she did speak about all debt is to not be paid by any sibling that um, that um, is left behind. Now, here's a, a rental debt that has been left behind by a deceased but the property was never on the man's name now his daughter was is held liable to pay is she liable to pay that debt thanks well based on the facts that have been shared in mm. that call i would say no <laughs> Right. I mean, you have to have signed surety. There has to be the there has to be some contractual obligation, and it doesn't sound like there was one. So it sounds like um, a, a rental agent or landlord or someone is just uh, chancing it. Mm. Um, I, I, I might be wrong. I mean, I, I might change that um, advice if presented with more um, facts of the matter. But on certainly, it doesn't sound like she's liable at all. 
Okay, we go to ads and then we come back to Wendy Nola. Just a reminder of the numbers: oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. Consumer talk, open line. Call oh two one double four six oh five six seven. Welcome back to the show. We are live with Wendy Nola answering all your consumer queries and here to give you advice. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Alex from Observatory. Uh, what is your question for Wendy, Alex? Thanks for calling. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, so, Wendy, we took out uh, two uh, um, vehicle finance applications through FNB for two Uber cars in 2015. And we signed up uh, for car insurance and also gap insurance if there was any problems with the cars. Um, the insurance then yeah. sold all their Uber car um, insurance, book. essentially book, to Saxum Insurance. And Saxum Insurance oh, no. subsequently went yes. under. Saxum has been in liquidation yes. for six years. I signed surety yes. for the cars, so even though the business that the cars were taken out in went into liquidation, F&B uh, held me, uh, so I've been carrying on paying the debt for the, these cars because that we had no payout. Is there any way that I can try and expedite the liquidation process for Saxon because I, I'm still paying off these claims every single month? And it's been six years, and I send them emails every few weeks saying, has there been any update? Um, and, yeah, well, I just wanted to know if there are any options. Sure, that does sound pretty bleak, I have to say, Alex. Um, you've got uh, two cars, and what are the drivers doing? What sort of, are, you, are you paying claims every month, sort of accident damage, that kind of thing? Yeah, so both cars actually were in accidents and the one car was completely written off. We managed to sell the other one we sold for scrap and the money went straight to reducing the liability to F&B. So the, the, the liability with F&B is, is there and uh, it hasn't been written off and I'm, I'm paying for it. So, uh, and, and when claiming well, I didn't realise that. So... So I didn't realize if it be had done that with its Uber book. Um, I'm surprised I haven't heard from more people. Six years is a long time to mm. to, to carry. Yeah, you basically I, I personally the, insure a house vehicle. Yeah, so we took the original insurance out with Sax uh, with Hollard, and Hollard sold the book to Saxum. Oh, okay. Um, in terms of the liquidation process. Um, you you will be one of 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 many many creditors. Yeah. And once that whole process is wound up, you add, you're only in line for a, what's known as a few cents in the rand as a creditor. So yeah. Um, you know that's not going to financially um, help you at all. Um, I would. I mean, are you not are you not considering insuring the cars with with another insurer so that at least you have cover? I mean, it could financially be disastrous if there's a a, a major claim. So, so the cars. I mean, the cars are written off. They're gone. Um, the cars. Oh, the cars no longer oh, exist. It's mm. just the debt. The debt is. But I just wanted to know: Do I also have any recourse from? Uh, because I didn't choose to go to with Saxon. Essentially, see, this is what I'm Yes, 
Yes, it's very unfortunate, and they've just said, well, I suppose that they were vi- it was a viable company at the time, and we could not foresee this nor take responsibility. But it's, I would like to source their response anyway. If you've got the energy to send an email with the car's details and a very short summary of 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 what's happened since that handover six years ago, Alex, um, I will certainly do my best to source a response from you so that you have you know clarity, complete clarity on where you stand. Uh, thanks, Wendy. I'll happily send you an email. Um, so I know it's been a long time. We've just done a number of different routes and just kind of keep on coming up at, uh, against the dead end. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. you for your okay. advice. No, that's an awful chain of events. You're welcome. Thank you, Alex, for your okay. call. We appreciate, so we appreciate your input. Here's a WhatsApp. Um, hi, Wendy. Please, can you investigate the exorbitant pricing linked to prepaid electricity purchases? The poor have to buy smaller amounts more often and charges escalate. Just seen a case of someone buying 150 rand and the service charge was 115 rand. Seems totally unfair if you can't no, muster the cash to buy bigger amounts less often. Thanks. And that's anonymous. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that slip, uh, mm. anonymous. If you, if you're listening and you, 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 if you could email it to me, that would give me a definite case to to take up. Often, yeah. um, it's the middlemen. If somebody's living in a complex, that add on these admin charges, which are iniquitous, and the tenants feel powerless to do anything about it. So, uh, if if anonymous or any else listening is in that situation I, I need to see receipts and things in order to take up a case um, to just take up an issue generically against you know, no entities that are named you know it's not going to happen so um, it is something I would uh, would be happy to to look into but as I say I need evidence in actual cases if listeners would like to oblige I'll certainly do my bit from that point is, is it a flat rate or is it a percentage usually when, when one pays for prepaid electricity? I wonder. It's. I think it's. I think in the cases uh, that I've seen, it's a flat rate. Okay, right. It's a. So but, it's, um, it's, it's, it's irrelevant about how much on. you buy. You, how much electricity you're buying. Right. Well, it's. There's another factor here, and that um, ESCOM and, and or, or the city um, charge different rates depending on how much you're buying and when at what time of the month. So if you normally say pay say 500 rand and you run out, and then you buy another 500 rand right at the end of the month, mm. the system will charge you a higher tariff because it's assumed that you're going to uh, consume that within the month. I've done um, we did this on the sh- this issue on the show some time ago. Um, and I certainly learned from that um, that timing is is important and how much you're buying. So the the, the advice would be to buy a smaller little top up amount um, at the end of the month, not your full amount just early for the coming month, because you will you will then go on to a, a higher rate and you'll get less electricity for your money. So I know that's at play, but I think this issue is more than that. This issue is about um, admin fees um, when right. people um, are, are in a, a a communal living situation. Okay, Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for answering messages. We're thinking of uh, your family and friends in Durban and our thoughts are with them. Thank you very much, uh, Wendy thank Nola. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bianca. Wendy Nola, consumer journalist, will be back with us next Wednesday after two o'clock to answer all your consumer needs and give you the advice that you require. Thank you so much for spending time